0: Hello ladies and gentlemen and fanatics of all ages and welcome to the great big couch that we are calling Philly's Therapy. This is a brand new show about talking it out, about getting through the, we'll call them unique complications of being a Philadelphia Phillies fan here in the year 2022. I am Paul Boyer. I'm a former contributor to a a number of fine outlets you may have read, including ESPN and Baseball Prospectus. And I am one half of this new adventure. I could not go it alone. And so I am joined by none other than the Phillies beat reporter for The Athletic, Matt Gelb. Matt, I have to admit, just in, in kicking us off here, that we're recording here tonight, Sunday, March 20th, under slightly less nihilistic circumstances than the idea of the show was conceived under. It's almost as if we're happy to start things off, and I don't think that was the plan.
1: We're not going to talk about the Ronald Torres signing?
0: Well, we can get right into the, the big highlights if you want. I was trying to soft-pedal it a little bit to break everybody in slowly, but if you want to talk about Torres right away, then yeah, sure.
1: I mean, the Phillies uh, paid the tax. Uh opening day is less than three weeks away. Uh the home spring opener was this weekend and honestly it was packed. I mean a lot of people I think had made trips down, you know, planned trips down here to Clearwater, uh, you know, before the, the labor strife and uh were able to, to get at least one game in and uh the vibes from that game were uh were pretty special. I mean, I think people are excited and I- I-
0: yeah, I, th- I think that's the big thing I'm missing. Being all the way up here in New Jersey is just w- what what's it like down there at camp? What what's what is the buzz like around everybody, especially as things have changed over the last couple of days? Well, for one, I
1: mean, the 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 rhythms of baseball are something that I have uh, programmed my life to uh, for a long time now, and yeah. the rhythms of this spring are are totally thrown off, and everything is you know pushed back and condensed and. The Phillies have basically, for the last week, have been doing the football, you know, the baseball equivalent of two a days. Mm. Uh, they've been doing a lot of early morning work, and, and usually, you know, the morning work is you know optional, but it really hasn't been optional this past week before the yeah, games so, started.
0: So, but what is it? What is, what is it going to look like when things actually kick off? Right, because spring training has been this 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 hybrid approach, if we want to be gentle about it, where everybody's schedule is condensed and now we have players getting to new teams with even quicker ramp ups. Is it just going to be really ugly for a couple of weeks or what's going to happen here? Do you think,
1: I I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who are curious to see what happens. I'm going to guess that the April product on the field is uh, it's not going to be good. And that's just not going to be a Phillies thing. That's going to be a league wide thing. I, I don't think it's going to be pretty I think you're going to see a lot of three, four, five inning uh, starts early on. I think you're going to see expanded rosters. They haven't uh, agreed on that yet, but I mean, I would be stunned if they can't get to 28 man rosters for the first you know three weeks of the season. I, I, I don't think uh, that I, it just makes too much sense. I mean, teams are going to be really crunched here uh, to get enough innings out of their pitchers and. You know, like, for example, Zach Wheeler, uh, in a normal situation, uh, he, he would not be breaking camp with the Phillies, but they have already started to talk about this contingency here where uh, he gets two starts down here in the spring, which uh-huh. is about all he might get. And two might be uh, generous. He might not only get one. Mm. Uh, and then just using him as like a three inning pitcher to start the year where he, his first really? start is three innings, his second start is four innings, his. Third start is five innings, and you kind of go from there, and you're kind of like, Well, do you would you rather use those innings in on the backfields and the minors, or would you rather just have them pitch you know three or four innings in the majors? And I
0: think
1: you know you probably go with the major league option, so long as you do have those expanded rosters and you can have like an extra pitcher or two. But you know, these are the kind of things that are talking about right now, and this is not the kind of stuff you would normally be talking about. So the rhythms have all been thrown off, and you know, throw into that the fact that you know all these teams are making all these acquisitions right now and the Phillies <laughs> are been one of the most uh uh active teams there is uh this spring they're going to introduce Kyle Schwarber on Monday morning we're taping this Sunday night and Nick Castellanos, I believe will will be in town here in Clearwater uh, probably midweek probably Wednesday mm-hmm. uh and they're going to get these guys going and uh, there are so many questions about how this is going to work, how this is going to look. And I know there's like, there's a lot of concerns and some fretting about how it might look and how it might go. But uh, let's forget about that for now and just say like, this is uh it's going to be exciting. I mean, like, I don't know how this is going to go, but like, it's, right. it's, it's something, it is well, something.
0: Exactly. And that's what I keep coming back to. Right. Like the past couple of years have seen, some moves where you could kind of make an argument if you squinted really hard that they were made in order to make the Phillies better. I'm talking, you know, mostly about some of these incremental deadline moves and marginal moves that as we all know, if we've been paying attention, you know, the, the Matt Joyce's and Brandon Kinsler's of the world that don't quite work. And so now knowing full well that this team has its flaws on the defensive and pitching sides or is, hmm, Maybe you could call it just not quite enough depth. They've instead opted to finally just turn the wheel fully into the skid and just say, you know what? We don't have anybody sitting out there who could noticeably improve our defense who might want to come here. We don't have an impact arm on the market anymore because the likes of the Strowmans and the Scherzers are all long gone. But there are a couple of huge bats out there. And you know what? We have a DH now. Maybe we can make this work even while pinching our noses and turning the other way when the inevitable, you know, game or maybe two a week gets blown because of some hilarious miscue in defense. And you know, that's going to happen, but like, is the offensive upgrade worth it? Like we should be able to stomach it for that. Right.
1: I mean, Paul, I look at this team and to me it is a team built for its ballpark Mm. and (laughs) You know, like everyone's like, oh, this guy's going to play so great in Citizens Bank Park. Well, so, yeah, obviously. I mean, it's it's a it's a hitter's friendly ballpark, but they've now done that across the entire team. And is it going to mm. work? Like, I don't know, but I think it's going to be kind of <laughs> funny along the way. Yeah. Like, I mean, funny as in funny, like, you know, a kind of a, a sick humor, but also funny. And, and like, there might be times, stretches during the season where they are just annihilating the ball and and Mm. really having fun with it and (laughs) you know jason stark my uh esteemed colleague at the athletic and a guy who uh you know i I grew up reading in suburban philadelphia and is now like my coworker, which is hard to believe you Mm. know he's been working on this story for the athletic about you know the worst defensive teams in the last you know 20 or 30 years to to make the playoffs and he's been doing a lot of research on it and You know, it's not something that happens quite often. I mean, bad defensive teams uh, typically uh, don't do well enough to make the playoffs. And there are some there are some examples. And usually, it's an American League team because they have had the benefit of the DH, where they just have, you know, they just try to outslug their way past their deficiencies elsewhere. But uh, you know, he's going to have something from Charlie Manuel uh, who says, "You know what? If you hit better, you feel better." and it's like a classic classic Charlieism, but mm. he, he's he's not wrong about it i mean no. like if they can hit consistently and no doubt there will be stretches where they aren't hitting and everyone's like well oh, what is wrong with the lineup you know this team right. was built to hit they're not hitting that just happens that's that's six months and hitting is hard i mean we know like if you fail right. seven out of ten times you're good so sure you're not just good you're excellent so uh he's not wrong though i mean like if you do if you are scoring and there's energy like all of a sudden the other things just sort of fall in line or you can just look past some of those other things i don't know if it's going to happen enough for this team to make the playoffs or even be uh, an above average team but uh you might as well lean into the chaos right i mean yeah
0: exactly you know and it's like There hasn't been a lot of fun around some of these teams that have taken the field over the last few years for different reasons, right? You can go back to the the rebuild years when they were not fun because they were terrible. You can also look back more recently at the last couple of years, and even if they have somebody like a Bryce Harper or they have somebody like a, a Reese Hoskins on a hot streak, there's just something about the way they've been playing not even month to month, but week to week and sometimes game to game, where they look like completely different teams who go into shells or then reemerge or uh, don't give Aaron Nola any run support or Bryce Harper is the only person who can hit for two months at a time. Now it's like, okay, enough of that nonsense. Let's get ourselves a little bit more of an insurance policy. And I almost feel like leaving defense aside, because I think that's where this comparison starts to fall apart a little bit more. You can almost see a bit of a through line between the 2007 team and the way this team is being built. Now I realize just to shrug off defense, that's that's kind of a big deal because there were a lot of really good defenders on that 07 team. But that was a team built to outslug their opponents. They had one good pitcher. They had a bunch of really good hitters. It's kind of looking that way and maybe I'm forcing a square peg into a round hole here. But do you see that too? Or is this team really just too much of its own thing?
1: I think this team might be its own thing, but it it does. It reminds me like it has the potential to have the energy or or at least a slice of the energy that those, you know, mid 2000s, late 2000s teams had. And I'm not saying this is a World Series contender because I Mm. I don't I don't know that it is. And I don't know that they think it is. I mean, I think they look at and say, well, if this goes right and that goes right and that goes right, then, yeah, we're right there. And I think a lot of teams can sit here in in where we, you know, March 21st and say, you know, yeah, if this goes right and that goes right, yeah, we're right there. So (laughs) at least they can say that. But I think there's, you know, just given the excitement that has come uh, from these two signings and from uh, the way this team is constructed, I mean, People like offense. Like, I think that's You're damn right. <laughs> I mean, people like offense and the ballpark was built for offense and mm-hmm. those teams. What do we remember about those teams from the mid two thousands, late two thousands? I mean, we remember the 2008 world series, but what we remember is these crazy comebacks led by the offense. We remember sure. the position players and these, these offensive juggernauts. You don't remember the guys who were starting games for them on, in the rotation because, they they weren't very good the rotation mm-hmm. wasn't very good right the bullpen was just okay and sometimes pretty good at least in 2008 and so you remember the offense and and i think that is why people have sort of like gotten this excitement is because it, it almost is playing to that nostalgia i think uh are the are these line is this lineup as good as some of those lineups? and i don't know uh it's been so long and you know the entire structure and like run environment of the, of the sport has changed like right. three times since then. So like, I don't know how it'll play, but uh, I think just the idea, like, you know, Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schrober are, are these type A personalities that uh, we haven't really seen a lot of, you know, like, I mean, that's part of it. It's like you, you mentioned about how team, you know, the teams were frustrating or people weren't able to really connect with them mm-hmm. for the last 10 years or for various reasons. And part of that mainly was because they just didn't win. Yeah. People will connect with a winner no matter you know no matter what. But I also think though, a small part of it was that there just haven't been these big personalities. And now, you know, you had Bryce Harper come here in twenty nineteen and obviously people connected with Bryce Harper. And he was somebody that drew people to the ballpark. He drew you to watch his at bats. He drew you to watch entire games on T V uh, you know, during these last few weird years in this world. And uh, I-, I just feel like the more personalities they've added, you know, the more people can connect to this team. And, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like the excitement level on it's not just because the Phillies paid the tax. I, I, I do think it's because of the guys they went and got. And, you know, this, this sort of brazen idea that like we're just going to, uh, throw caution into the wind and, and sort of build this roster that is, uh, <laughs> It is not a conventional way of building a roster, and I would say not. No, and and there's almost this sort of like fu idea that I think people are kind of excited about. That's it. Yes,
0: it's the fu Phillies,
1: and like it's almost like well, we've seen this terrible, shitty baseball for ten years now. (laughs) That like, you know what? If if they're going to be shitty again, we might as well try to have fun with it. Amen. And I I think this team will be fun and I don't that that's not saying that they're going to be good. Cause I think they're going right. to be fun. If they're good, I think they are going to be fun if they're going to be bad too. And I know that might mm. sound weird for certain Phillies fans, but I mean, it has the potential to be a really fun thing to watch if they're good. And, it, and like the dumpster fire, uh, potential of this is also quite high, I think. And, uh, I don't know, maybe people are like past the point of having like this, uh, you know sadistic uh, energy regarding this team but uh i don't know i i mean yeah i wouldn't th- count there's that no, out <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's going to be an in-between right like you look right. at the bullpen and you're like there's not going to be an in-between with this bullpen like it's either going to be really 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 good or it's going to be a complete disaster
0: mm-hmm. and
1: <laughs> there's just no in-between and then you start yeah. thinking about the lineup and, and it's probably the same way and uh you know they're they're deeper like and 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 what have we seen in the last few years when uh things go bad like when there's a couple injuries they just haven't had the depth to withstand that and you know might we see Ronald Torres get 250 plate appearances again this season maybe but uh i think the chances of that are are less
0: oh <laughs> You think that. There are cosmic forces out there that will will Ronald Tereus into that lineup, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I, I, I think we need to keep rolling with the good news and the good vibes on, on a slightly different topic, um, even if they're a little more tempered. You brought up Wheeler a few minutes ago, and it seemed like the news on him out of camp today, Sunday, was actually kind of encouraging, even if he's not going to be full strength, even if he's not going to be hucking you know, 100, 110 pitches out there. April 10th or whatever it seems like he's expecting the team is potentially expecting him to be taking the mound in the first week and when the news came out about his his shoulder being sore that seemed like less of a possibility is is it like a legit chance that the Phillies open the season with most of their expected rotation even if there are still questions around guys like Suarez and Eflin
1: hard to say Mm. Like I I I uh, I think the news on Wheeler is good, it's encouraging. I also think that like we we need to see what happens here. We need to see what happens as he builds up. Like he's gonna throw another side session, another side bullpen session, uh, I believe on Tuesday, and then okay. after that is like a live batting practice, and then possibly after that is a game. Okay. And I'm looking at it as such, Paul, that like. By the middle of this week, we will be just about two weeks from opening day Mm -hmm. and two of the Phillies projected starters in the rotation will have made a start in the spring. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, like I've seen Zach Eflin throw. He looks good. Like he looks healthy. He's, he's, uh, he's had elongated bullpen sessions where like he goes up and down where, you know, he's kind of simulating the time between innings. Uh, there are certain things he is still progressing to do with his knees just to test it. Uh, they think he's going to be ready. He thinks he's going to be ready. If I had to guess, like, I think the season starts with Noah and then Gibson and then Eflin and then Suarez and maybe Wheeler pitches that fifth game. Maybe not. I mean, I think. There's like we just these guys need to get on the mound in games. And like, I I just can't like everything that I just said is written in pencil because you you need to see these guys get on the mound in games. And I know uh, this is a very unusual spring. The circumstances are uh, almost unprecedented in terms of condensing it like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think there are caveats that are needed. Like, I don't know that Zach Weaver is going to throw 100 pitches in a game until May.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense.
1: I, I mean, he, you know, even if even if he does start the season on the roster and, and this goes for probably Suarez, too, like I don't know that they'll throw 100 pitches in the game until May. And that and that's like being ready, you know, being on their opening day roster is one thing, like being being ready, I think, has has like a has a caveat with it this year. And this again, this is not just the Phillies. This is across. the right. league. I mean, a guy being ready might mean that he's ready to throw three or four innings, maybe 60 pitches for you in a, in a start. And teams are looking at it saying you know what, we'll take that for now because we, we might have expanded rosters and everybody's sort of in this situation. Like, we might as well just do it this way. And yeah. That, that is what being ready is like in 2022.
0: Right, and I think that's, that's an important point to keep in mind. Like, the, the Phillies will have problems that are their own, you know, namely the defense that is expected to be not great, uh, but there are going to be problems that every team is going to share. You know, we're talking about starters needing uh, extra time, potentially live games to ramp up that things might look a little bit hybridized, that we might see more openers, whether intentionally or unintentionally, to start the year than we we may have been accustomed to. It, that's not a Phillies thing. That's not a Phillies only thing. Um, and the point of that really just seems to be serving to keep these guys on the field for as long as you possibly can, because the circumstances are so weird, because you need to be careful about conditioning, and because you want to make sure that these guys don't blow a tire or throw their arm out too soon or too quickly. Uh, This is a, a Philly centric problem that a couple other teams share. The Phillies still don't have a ton of depth, especially on the pitching side in terms of like really reliable arms, right? If you think about the starting rotation depth behind the top five, behind Nola Wheeler, Eflin Suarez Gibson, things start to get a little bit shaky and you have to wonder almost, and and this is sort of a an almost necessary evil with how much money and, and time and resources have been poured into upgrading the offense. If any of those starters or any of the really significant pitchers has to miss a lot of time, does this whole thing just kind of fall apart or can the is the offense as constructed also going to pump out more than its fair share of, you know, 10 to 8 wins along the way that might sort of cushion that blow a little bit?
1: I mean, I think you're getting at what is their biggest weakness. You know, mm. rotation depth is uh, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. I mean, I think they had looked at different ways of, of addressing it. Uh, I think some, like, borderline free agents who might have been swing men looked at their situation and said, well, they have five pretty solidified guys in that rotation. Like, I, I can go somewhere else and have better opportunity to start. Mm. Or, or guys on minor league contracts, you know, looking to break in with a club probably looked at other opportunities and said, this is better. And and I also think the Phillies prioritized other things other than rotation depth. And whether that comes back to bite them in the ass or not, uh, I think remains to be seen. But I mean, you're right, Paul. I mean, like Hans Krauss is going to start Monday uh, at the Yankees and, and going to see a lot of him. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be a, a, you know, a decent test for him and uh, was kind of underwhelmed by, by what we saw from him last September It was, you know, only like two or three outings, but right. Uh, you know, he's a guy that as soon as they got him, you know, I heard from some some evaluators from other teams who are like, you know, decent piece, like definitely a reliever. And, uh, mm. you know, that's probably what his future is. He's a really okay. max effort kind of guy and, uh, you know, probably a reliever. And then so then you start going down the list of guys that they have in camp as sort of this depth and like Francisco Morales, probably a reliever.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what do they do with <laughs> Bailey Falter too? like what what's his future? What, what I mean, does that look like?
1: He's probably their best. He's probably the number six starter right now. Mm. Like Falter is probably uh, the, their their best option. And he, he you know, they told him at the end of the last year, uh, you're, you're going to be a starter, like train as a starter, think as a starter, you need to work on a third pitch. Like these are all things that we want you to think about this offseason because you will be a starter for us. And it's possible he begins the season in the majors Uh, as a long man or sort of a swingman, maybe he's wheeler's piggyback partner Mm
0: -hmm. yeah maybe
1: um you know just because he starts the year and it might not be in the rotation doesn't mean that they don't view him as a starter like they view him as a starter like he is probably their sixth starter right now and they're they're stretching out nick nelson who they got in a trade from the yankees who just kind of seems like a reliever and the yankees have made him a reliever um but they the phillies want to see him start again interesting um I'm probably forgetting other people now. They just put Kent Emanuel on the 60-day IL. He was a guy that was going to get stretched out. Oh. They DF, they DFA'd Scott Moss. He was a guy that was going to get stretched out. Who else is on the 40, Paul? That I'm forgetting. I mean, they, it, it's not James it's not MacArthur. A, James MacArthur, big dude, uh, a really <laughs> big sticks dude. out for some reason. I can't yeah, need, figure out why. Needs to pitch. You know, needs just needs to go pitch. Chris Chris Sanchez, Christopher Sanchez, mm. um, still a starter like kind of kind of frustrating starter in that but um he's you know a a, a guy that you're going to look for for depth and you know all these names are giving you like it's not uh it's not great it feels like a great.
0: feels like a copy paste for damon jones too the little blurb about sanchez it feels like it feels pretty similar there too
1: yeah i mean so uh the the, the rotation depth is a problem and and you know everything we're talking about and all this excitement and fun and everything like it, it's it's all kind of irrelevant like if Zach Wheeler doesn't make like 24 starts this year at the very least mm-hmm. like I, I think he will i mean i, I don't have oh, any here's reason hoping. To, to question that he he won't but you know I, at the list of phillies right now that are are more important to their success in 2022 than Zach Wheeler i think is zero like i think zach wheeler right now is the most important player to the philly success in 2022 and people might think that's crazy because they have the reigning national league mvp on their roster but given the offensive uh additions they've made in the last week i'm not saying bryce harper is less important but you i guess could withstand you know an absence from harper a little better than you could a week ago as for losing wheeler for a month or two months etc i i'm not sure you can withstand that
0: yeah, no, that all adds up to me. Um and so while that's interesting for 2022 and the immediate future, there was some talk we just had about like what the club might see as its future roles for some players whether they're starters, relievers, and that's just on the pitching side. In turning our attention to the infield in particular on the offensive side now that the outfield apart from center field which might always be unsolved until we all You know, find a new team to root for. (laughs) The infield is a little bit more of a curiosity, I think, because we have um, a number of incumbents, all with significant questions attached to them, all for very different reasons. We have, just working our way right to left, we have Reese Hoskins, who's with the team through team control for two more seasons. He's arbitration eligible this year. They don't have a number figured out this year, but it looks right now, unlikely that they're probably going to commit to him long-term. You have Gene Segura at second base, who has a team option for next year, who may play his way into consideration of having that picked up. You have Didi Gregorius at shortstop, who is in his last year with this team. It it would be great if he finishes the year on the roster, but right now, that doesn't look like the uh, most likely option. And then at third base, you have Alec Boehm, who, while I believe in the bat coming back, has his own questions about whether he's going to stick at third base. And then you start thinking about guys like Bryson Stott. Now he's probably not going to make the opening day roster unless he hits the crap out of the ball and really just forces everybody's hand. And that, that seems a little unlikely. So we won't say it's a hundred percent. No, but probably not. If he keeps hitting and he performs well down in, in, AAA to start the year, assuming that's where he goes, who does he bump out if everybody's healthy and he just forces his way through the door and is like, no, put me in. I'm the better option. Is it just, all right, DD, it's either bench or bust for you now. We need to get this guy his reps and he's going to be our shortstop moving forward. What happens there? What's your best guess?
1: <laughs> I've been asking a lot of people about this. And uh, the consensus is, like, is, is also chaos. Um, <laughs> like, Oh, of course. I'm I i I'm not going to rule anything out right now. Like, I won't rule out Bryson stop making this team. I don't think okay. he will. Okay. But I've heard from enough people who, uh, around this team, who uh, are not willing to rule it out, who are not willing to rule out, like, a couple different scenarios. One, they're not willing to rule out uh, a scenario in which Alec Boehm just doesn't have a, an impressive spring and goes to triple A. Mm. And Stas at short and Gregorius is at third. Oh boy! I've talked to people who have not ruled out a straight release of Didi Gregorius at the end of the spring. Really? And Ooh Stas boy. at short and Bones at third. Oh, and man. I'm not. And none of these people are saying that this is going to happen, but they're saying right. that like they have heard enough to say that like this is this is a possibility. Like this is. I'll say this: I think they like Bryson Stott probably more than we thought more than I thought, at least Hmm. Uh, way more than I thought. Uh, I think he came along at the end of last year. And then I think uh, them seeing, you know, some of the team officials seeing him in the AFL uh, last fall, you know, really left a good impression. And then, you know, for three weeks down here (laughs) while the lockout was going on, like most of the front office was here just sort of staring at the top prospects every day at a mini camp and getting to know them and getting to watch them and, uh, Stott has, has made quite an impression. And I think still, like, I'm looking at the path of least resistance here. Gregorius opens as a shortstop. Bohm opens as a third baseman. You play it out for three to four weeks, maybe longer. And then you make a call, mm. you know, as long as Stott is producing in AAA. Yep. Yep. And he just comes up and replaces whomever, uh, is the biggest problem. And, uh, that that is the path of least resistance i I don't know that it's going to go along that path i really don't like i thought for sure that stott starts in the minors i i think that's what will happen but i i don't i can't say that that's a for sure thing
0: no that makes sense and and i i think that's the right way to go in so far as there would be a quote-unquote right way to do things i can understand if you know maybe if dd looks cooked you think about releasing him he played very poorly at times last year. And if he, you know, hasn't recovered from his elbow troubles and um, if another year, you know, on his biological clock has, has gotten to him that much more then okay, I could see that. That would be sad and unfortunate, but okay. Um, but I, th- I feel like the right way to go about it is to have the incumbents, assuming everybody has at least decent showings in spring and play it out, like you said, um, and then give it a little bit of time to make that call because. Even though a couple of these guys are on expiring deals, Bryson Stott, to me anyway, needs to prove a little bit more at the higher levels. You know, I'm not—I'm obviously not the end-all, be-all of prospect evaluation or anything like that. This is just a hunch I'm going on. Something—I'm going to invoke this name, and it's not going to be a great comparison. Oh no! I, I, I get it. I don't love the feeling that Scott Kingery has given me where he was rushed from half a good season at double A, which he was repeating at the time to a partial "Eh," season at triple A immediately into a starting lineup at a position. He wasn't great at slightly different circumstances. I totally get that. That's not a great comparison. What has me wary is the thought that we can take Bryson Stott who may be good. And I hope he, I hope to God he is, I hope we have a good one for a change. I don't like the idea of plugging him in on opening day and expecting him to be as productive as whomever he's replacing, regardless of what the infield spot is.
1: Am I allowed Something, to... I'm just, I'm, to I'm, say, I'm
0: leery. Yes, yes. Am right. I allowed to Go say
1: here that Scott Kingery has impressed me this spring? Ooh!
0: okay now we're getting spicy okay i mean what, he's, what have you look,
1: seen i mean he needs to go to he's gonna go triple sure. I a mean, he's not even sure. like he's can't get in he actually can't even play in a game yet because he's still technically rehabbing um his shoulder okay. and, and he's all what he's rehabbing right now is just his throws his throwing uh he's okay. still on a throwing program he's getting out long tossing oh man um but i but i've watched uh, i've watched him work on his new swing and i've talked to him about it and we've yeah. talked a lot actually just about his mentality and uh I don't think you should write him off yet. And like, I don't know what he's oh, going to be, good, but like, man. I think, but like, um, you know, they owe it, you know, like they're paying him for this year and next year and they, and they, sure. you know, they have to see it through. And I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Like maybe he ends up being utility guy in the majors and maybe that's how he ends up forging a career possibly after his contract is up. But, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm impressed by his mentality. I'm impressed by his willingness to, you know sort of go back to basics with the swing and uh but you're being you're being haunted by the ghosts of philly's prospects past
0: i i truly am man it, it's it is a scary scary scene but that that's <laughs> something we can, we can we can devote more time to that on its own um no so- i don't
1: think you're you're not wrong i mean about the <sighs> comparison i mean like because i think yeah people are scarred by that and they should be i mean it's funny because i was talking about somebody today It's like it wasn't that like people were wrong about scott King. I mean, I mean there were two straight springs where he was the best player on the field yeah. and i know you can't judge guys off of spring training i've seen too many instances where it can be misleading but i mean uh, it, michael Franco. it wasn't just it wasn't just like these little flashes or these little things it was all around sure. like and it was against yeah. big league competition and mm-hmm he was the best player in the field two straight springs. And that wasn't mm. just like a, a thing. I mean, he was, he was that good. And like, like we've, you know, I don't want to go over all the things that, that happened because, you know, you can actually point to concrete reasons as to why it just hasn't worked out, but sure. Uh, I, I, I don't disagree about everything about Stott. I, I don't. And I, and I, and I, and I have every reason to believe that he will go down and, and start there, but, uh in triple a but i don't know it's a battle i've heard so i've heard enough i've heard enough just to be like uh like what like especially about uh, third base oh boy you know i just uh they you know we saw how they how they uh viewed bohm last year in the way that uh the manager used him uh Mm -hmm. in the way that uh he was sent out and, and really just sort of an afterthought um everyone is saying the right things right now Bohm, you know talked to him a little bit the other day i mean he he uh he he knows that he has to be better and you know and and i think we all think he can be better uh but i i I don't know like i'm not so sure that uh everyone in the organization shares that sentiment and uh i'm i'm really interested to see what happens there and and I think given the things that they've done to the lineup, like he is less important now than he was last year. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah, for uh, sure. But, but you, you you can't have a black hole there. I mean, like, I no. don't know, like we're we're pretty sure they're not going to get like that much in center field. Right. We're not really sure what they're going to get from shortstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, okay, that's already two positions on the field. Yep, that's really, you know, like, two you know, out of nine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, you know, third base, he, he's got to give you something. Like he's got to be league average. And uh, I don't know.
0: Well, that's, that's certainly something to watch. It's, it's putting some extra weight on some of those ABs and some of those chances in the field, for sure. I do want to close on one quick question about, um, I guess along the lines of Scott Kingery, and you can use that answer again. Uh, one player who may be a little bit under the radar, who you're paying a little bit of extra attention to this spring that Phillies fans, if they don't already, might come to know a little bit better, say, in a year or two.
1: Um well, oh, the first name that's gonna pop out is not a name that you're gonna it's it's a non- roster guy who is actually kind of stuck out to me. I mean, I don't know if he's gonna make the team, but he's been kind of interesting. That's Yairo Munoz.
0: really like,
1: yeah, he he's only 27 okay. years old. Hmm. um I, I don't know like he might make the team he, he's he's kind of interesting, oh, really me. Okay. yeah, I don't know. I don't know I mean like you, you look at it right now, there's one empty bench spot, right? So you yep. have Camargo. Um, mm-hmm. and don't Camargo is going to get time. Like, uh, oh, yeah. I can already tell the way Joe is talking about him that Camargo is going to play. Oh, he's um, absolutely a Girardi guy. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. So Camargo is going to Camargo is a bench guy, the backup catcher. And that's between Garrett Stubbs and Donnie Sands. And I fully expect that to be Stubbs. Uh, mm-hmm. then whoever is not playing center field. So either Vierling mm-hmm. or Herrera. So that's three spots and you have a, just a four man benches here because you have 13 position players and you have. Right the dh so you have nine starters and so there is one bench spot uh you know it's it's probably going to Ronald torres but um so if it doesn't go to Ronald torres the more things uh, change
0: <laughs> the more they stay the same oh god <laughs> He's such a nice guy I saw him. This I know. <laughs> I was I know. Like,
1: hey, welcome back. And and uh, like, you know, like he, he Joe Gerdi loves him. And like uh, you can yeah. understand why he loves him. He's just very reliable. Like he yeah. does the kind of things that a manager loves. But also in the in the DH era, you don't really need Ronald Torres anymore. I mean, you don't have to make double switches. You don't need, you know, etc.
0: So whatever.
1: But okay, <laughs> so Hyrule Munoz, you know, not the kind of name you're looking for. I understand that. No. All uh, answers welcome. Uh one more I'll, I'll think about a pitcher uh hmm. i don't know i mean it's been, yeah, so, pitching, it's like, kind it's been of, so hard like i mean yeah. everyone's like oh who's looking good it's like i don't know these workouts are like, been two yeah, games. I, hate yeah. I hate to say it i mean like these workouts like they're not meaningless, but they're kind of meaningless. Sure. Like, I sure. D- I'll give you one. Dominguez. Okay. Dominguez looks really good. Oh, there we go. Yeah. He's lost. He's lost a lot of weight. Uh, and like, I'm like, well, is that going to help weight. And he's like, yeah, I think so. And he's like, is it going to help He's like, he kind of shrugged. He's like, I don't know. He's like, I feel better. I was like, I can run more. Like, I feel like I have more stamina. Like, I, I don't feel tired. I'm like, okay, well, that's definitely a plus. He's like, yeah. Uh, people, I, I've talked to some guys who've caught him so far. Like, you know, the stuff is crisp and uh he's just like he's such an unknown right i mean like he's faced three batters in the big leagues in the last three years basically uh it's crazy and uh you know they re-signed him for a reason they the guaranteed deal and and uh i, I think there's a, a a pretty strong belief in him and right now when you look at the bullpen depth chart he's like i don't know the seventh guy
0: okay All right, right?
1: Well. i mean like there's probably six guys ahead of him right now so mm-hmm. i uh I, I, he's he's been good. He's been pretty good. So, uh, well,
0: there we have it. The the spring of Yara Munoz and Sir Anthony Dominguez. <laughs> that's like the, N- the most overwhelming really answers. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. No, it, it it's nice to remember that baseball teams are deep and that there are more players than just the stars. It's nice to <laughs> always that's be right. reminded that you have to build a complete team. I'm sitting here with you know my palms up in a in a nice Zen like pose. You have to remember that a team goes 26 or sometimes 28 men deep. And that guys like Yara Munoz and Sir Anthony Dominguez, especially with what we've seen of the Phillies the last couple of years and how they've used the bottom of their bench and the fringes of their 40-man, these guys matter. And if they look good, that's great. That They're fine as answers. I will take those. Um, but with that, I believe that'll wrap us up for this very first inaugural initial episode of Philly's Therapy, our wonderful new experiment with uh, Matt Gelb reporting from the greater Clearwater area down in Florida and myself, Paul Boyer, from uh, the great mountains of northern New Jersey. Thank you, everybody, for checking us out. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will look to fill your ears and fill your uh, space on your hard drive once or twice a week uh, with episodes just like this. So hopefully this was your thing. We'll keep building on it as we we learn and grow and hope to have some more fun along with you. Um, so for Matt, I'm Paul. We'll catch you next time.
1: We can even talk about the defense. Yeah.